All right, grab your Bible and open it to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. It's after Amos, by the way, which is actually it's after Obadiah, but and Obadiah is after Amos, and Amos and Jonah were alive together at the same time. Well, we've been asking one big question this entire year to help us understand Jesus better, and our question is. Okay, it's first service. Maybe you haven't heard it any time this entire year for 40 weeks now. We've been asking a question all year, and the question is? What do I believe? Thank you very much. Somebody with coffee. Thank you, Alfred. That was great. What do I believe? And this question is very important. Last week, Pastor Kate launched us into what will be a five-week series titled, What Do I Believe About Obeying God? What do I believe about obeying God? It's a study on the book of Jonah. And so today we're going to look at chapter one. I'm excited about that. There are a lot of really good lessons to learn in Jonah chapter one. So I'm excited to jump right in. But let me begin with a question. And I think this question helps us with the entire book. It helps us with chapter one. But more importantly, it helps us with our life. And the question is this. Does God cause difficult things to happen in our lives to help us grow and obey? Does God cause difficult things to happen in our lives to help us grow and obey? Now, how do you think Jonah would answer the question if he were here? Yes. Jonah would say, yes, he does. Now, by the way, this is a really, really big question. This is not a small question at all. Theologically, it's huge. Mentally, it helps us with so many parts of our faith. See, this question challenges the nature of our individual relationship with God. How you decide to answer this question will change the way that you interact with God and the way you see God. The, the question challenges how we are in relationship with God because we have to ask ourselves, is God Lord of my life? Does God get to do whatever he wants to in my life? Do I fully and completely trust God? It challenges what we think and believe about who God is. Is God good? Is he kind? Is he faithful? Does he want what's best for me? Is he the creator and sustainer of my life? See, if we believe God is good and loving and kind and gracious and faithful, then we're okay with him bringing whatever he wants to into our life because we believe that he has a purpose in everything difficult or good. The question challenges the sovereignty of God in our lives. Let me ask you a question. Does, does God have the veto power in your life or do you still have it? This question challenges that. This story challenges that. Does God get to change my life or, or am I in charge of it? See, the story of Jonah reminds us that sometimes the most difficult seasons of our life are exactly what we need to discover what we're not seeing. And more importantly, to discover that obeying God is always the best decision in our life. Now, as we read chapter one together, we're gonna notice an important concept that I believe 
about obeying God that is really important. And it's kind of the overarching theme of chapter one. And it's this, you can't run from God. You can't run from God. Now, if we can't run from God, then the best thing to do is what? Obey him the first time. And Jonah doesn't, and we get right into Jonah in chapter one, and we see that as a result of running from God instead of submitting to God, a whole bunch of really funny and cool things happen at Jonah's expense for us to just enjoy and laugh about and learn what not to do, amen? So let's look at it together, Jonah chapter one. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, if you've ever wondered, that is the one place on the planet where God is not, apparently, Tarshish. I don't know where it is, but apparently the Lord is not there. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. 
What a great story. We love awesome stories that just are fun and teach us a lot of stuff, and this one certainly does. I wanna begin with something that I think is really important in chapter one that you and I need to see. It's the backdrop of the story. It's the underpinning of the story. It's a whole bunch of cultural stuff that's happening. It's philosophy that's happening in the world at this time, and it's, and it's very interesting. I want us to notice something about the thinking of the sailors, the captain of the boat, and Jonah. Starting in verse five. In verse five, they said, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Verse six. So the captain went down after Jonah. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Verse nine, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. Now, here's what I want us to see. None of the characters in this story have a problem with their God or big G God for that matter, doing whatever their God wants to do in order to bring about his sovereign purposes and plans. None of them have a problem with their God doing something difficult in their lives to help them grow and obey. See, I want to point out that there is a global thinking that was predominant at this time, and it sets the backdrop of the story. It's a thinking that's not prevalent today. See, the predominant thinking is a religious mindset. The first thing they're thinking about is what their God is doing in their life. And it's, did you notice it's interesting that the captain of the ship, if he had some other mindset besides a religious one, he would have said like, uh, Jonah, why don't you get up and help us start rowing? It's not what he says. He says, get up and pray to your God because obviously there's something bigger going on here than what we can see naturally or scientifically or philosophically. There's something going on that the gods are, have in our lives and you need to get up and talk to your God. Now, everyone in the story, interestingly, is processing how their God is involved in what is happening in their life in their surroundings, and most interestingly, none of them have a problem with their God doing whatever their God wants to do. It's very interesting. Why is that interesting? Because it's the opposite of what we do in the Western world. In the Western world, our thoughts and comments about God in relation to a difficult season in our life or a difficult thing happening in our life is completely different. In the Western world, we ask, why would God do that to me? We say, this is so horrible that God would bring something bad into my life. Or we say, I, I can't serve a God that would allow bad things to happen to me. He must be an awful God to bring something into my life that would make my life hard. That's what we say. Our philosophical mindset is completely different. We immediately blame God instead of saying, what's God doing right now? And could this be all my fault? No, we'd never say that. No, we'd, no, we'd never say that. Now notice, 
None of the characters in the story are thinking like we do. There's no philosophical problem for them. They're all perfectly fine with their God being sovereign over their lives. They don't have a mental conflict about it. God is God and they are not. So their religious mindset includes that God can bring a challenging moment into their life whenever their God wants to and they will learn from it. In this particular case, the sailors and the captain of the ship got a a really big lesson into who the only real God is because their gods couldn't calm the sea, but the creator God could. Let me ask you a question. How often do you bring God into all the situations and circumstances of your life? Like these sailors did. Like the moment something bad started happening, they immediately connect their life with their Lord. Is he on your mind? Are, Are you processing how God could help you through every season of your life? Or do you only include God after you've exhausted all your other options? Now, here's what I want you to notice. The sailors haven't even started rowing yet, but they've called out on their gods. So it's like the first thing they do. See, I hope you're including God in every big and every little thing in your life. Back to Jonah. We notice in this story something interesting about Jonah. Jonah, Jonah doesn't want to do what God wants him to do. <laughs> right? God gives Jonah something to do, and it, the first thing that it says is Jonah went in the opposite direction. So he doesn't want to do what God wants him to do. Jonah doesn't want to obey God. Jonah wants to obey himself. He wants to obey the way he feels and what he thinks. And since he thinks the Ninevites aren't worthy of God's grace, and since he feels like they're horrible people, I don't have to obey God. I get to do whatever I want to do. And I can just sit in my feelings and my thinking. In fact, he feels so strongly about his own opinions and his own feelings and what he thinks that he's actually willing to die in his selfishness rather than obey God. Just throw me overboard. I don't care. I'm not going to obey God. I don't care. Just kill me now. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't want to obey God at all. See, every story in the Bible is meant to teach us something today. And as we look at Jonah chapter one, I think there's some things that we can learn. The first, we can't run from God. Jonah tried, didn't work very well. Jonah tried to run from God, so God made it impossible to run from him. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You tried to run from God and God just made it impossible for you to run from him? I have. It stinks. (laughs) It's really no fun. But God gets your attention and you finally realize, oh man, everything I actually wanted was just found in obeying God if I'd have just done that the first time. Now, will God always do something crazy like sending a largemouth bass to swallow you? I think it's a largemouth bass because you, have you seen the mouth of a largemouth bass? Like it's gotta be. I mean, they're, they're just And if you think about like a 250 pound largemouth bass, he could easily swallow Jonah. That's just my theory. It's not really. It's a great fish. We don't know what it is. But since largemouth bass are awesome fish and he said it was a great fish, it must've been. So will God always do something crazy like like this to stop us from running from him? The answer is no. 
Will God always do this? Will God always stop us from being disobedient to him? Will God always stop us from making silly mistakes and dumb mistakes and big mistakes and little mistakes? No. Sometimes God just says, well, you have free will. Go ahead. That's fine. Sometimes God lets us run in the opposite direction as far as we want to, into all the craziness we want to. And it's not that he doesn't care. It's just that we have free will. Now, God could have done that with Jonah. He could have said, Jonah, fine. The prophet Amos is alive. He'll obey me. (laughs) I really don't need you. See, God could have said, Jonah, forget it. Go do whatever you want. Go ahead, run to the end of the earth. The only thing you're gonna find at the end of the earth is my presence again. (laughs) Go ahead, just try it. I'll send Amos. He doesn't disobey me. But God didn't do that. Why didn't God do that? Because he cared about Jonah. (laughs) Because he cared about Jonah's heart and what Jonah was thinking. And he cared about Jonah's stinking thinking and Jonah's attitude and Jonah's hard heart. And he wanted Jonah to change because he loved him. And he wanted Jonah to learn what Jonah was not learning on his own. And isn't it interesting that God does the same with us, doesn't he? Because he loves us, he wants to change our heart. He wants to change our thinking and our attitude and help us discover that obeying him is always the best for our lives. Now, the challenge with the story of Jonah is he never changes. He gets thrown overboard. He ends up three days in the belly of a whale. He goes to Nineveh. He kind of obeys God, but he obeys God in this disgust and a crappy attitude. And then he sits on a hill and he says, bring the fire. He never really gets it. He continues to run from God, whether he's in a boat or in a fish or on a hill outside Nineveh. He continues to run. What about you? The next big question I think we can ask about this section is this. In what area of your life are you running from God? See, because all of us, we're just like Jonah. God says, hey, here's how I'd like to obey you. And we say what? Nah. (laughs) My idea is better. We all do it. We all have ways that we're running from God. Jonah chose to run from God. So do we. Now, chapter one reveals to us that what? Running from God is a bad decision. I'm not suggesting that the next time you go fishing, you're going to get swallowed by a big fish or the next time you're walking in the park, an eagle the size of an airplane is going to pick you up and throw you in a nest somewhere. I don't know what God would do. I'm not suggesting that, but here's what's interesting. Jonah ran in the opposite direction of what God wanted for him. And sometimes we do the same. We know what God wants us to do, but like Jonah, we want to do what we want to do. And so we disobey. See, our disobedience is our way of running from God. Let me repeat that. Our disobedience is our way of running from God. Has the Holy Spirit been encouraging you to obey God some way. We call this conviction. It's actually a really good thing. 
Because the Holy Spirit loves us and he wants to help us live our lives to honor Jesus, and he wants to help us in every part of our lives, he talks to us. He tells us things. He convicts us. And he asks us to honor Jesus in every way possible. So I want to encourage you. Don't run from the Holy Spirit's gracious nudges in your life. We all have them. We all have those nudges. And we all need them. And I want to encourage you. Let's not be like Jonah. Let's run to God, not away from him. Here's another good question we could ask. Are your present troubles, or maybe your past ones, a way God is trying to get your attention? Are the present troubles a way God is trying to get your attention? Sometimes I'm like Jonah too. I just, I need somebody to hit me upside the head with a two by four to really get my attention. And sometimes God does that too. Do you think God got Jonah's attention? I think so. We'll see that in chapter two, that God, yes, got Jonah's attention. Let me tell you something that I think is revealed in this story of Jonah. It also answers our original question, does God cause difficult things to happen in our lives to help us grow and obey? And I think what I'm about to tell you, when, when you understand this idea, this powerful truth, it, it will change so many things in your thinking, but it will also change the way that you live your life moving forward. It's just a simple truth, and it's this. Your holiness is more important than your happiness. That's a big concept. It's huge, but it's really true. God believes that our holiness is more important than our happiness. Now, as people who live in the United States in 2023, what's wrong with that statement? We don't live this way. <laughs> we actually live the opposite way. We think what? That if I'm happy, I'll be living in God's holiness. It's not how it works. And the entire planet right now believes what? That if I'm happy, that's the right way to live. That the best way to live is to be happy. So our world has got this backwards. Today, our world thinks happiness is more important than holiness. That's why we see a lot of things starting to become backwards in our world because happiness is more important than a whole bunch of things like going to work, disciplining our children, having a sound financial budget, being wise, on and on, add to the list a thousand things. So you and I are living during a time when the opposite of the place that we live and the world that we live is telling us something totally different. That your happiness is the most important thing in your life and you should do whatever you can to get happiness. That's what our world's telling us right now. Now that's a problem because that's not the most important thing in life. The most important thing in life is holiness not happiness. Now, if you can get both at the same time, that's awesome, right? And I believe we can in Christ. You get both because your mind shifts 
and your mind in Christ, when you and I are in Christ and we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we change what happy is. That's the challenge. You and I have to change what happy is. And when we get on board with what God is doing and sending the gospel to the ends of the earth, happy becomes sharing Jesus with the world, not a new boat, not the best clothes, not fill in the blank. See, God loves you a lot. I mean, a lot. The cross is proof that Jesus loves us just a ton. And he loves us so much that he will discipline us. He loves us so much that he will try to get our attention however he can. And he loves us so much that he will continue to love us just the way we are. But he also wants us to live a happy and healthy life. Stop doing things and thinking things that hurt ourselves and others. And because God loves us a lot, we often find ourselves in a holy moment more than a happy moment. And those holy moments are those moments where you and I are in a difficult situation and the holiness of God will rise to the surface. And if you and I notice it, we get a glimpse of God. He calms the sea in a moment. And we get to see the holiness of God. Is God trying to get your attention somehow? I think God had Jonah's attention in the middle of the storm, mostly because Jonah wouldn't give him his heart and his mind without the storm. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of how it works for me sometimes. When I won't give Jesus my heart and my mind and my life outside the storm, I end up finding myself in a storm so that Jesus can reveal to me that my holiness is more important than my happiness. There's a couple other things we notice in chapter one that are really great that we need to talk about. They're at the end of the chapter, and I think that they reveal some things that are important to our lives. The first is this, that the sailors ask Jonah why he is running from God. Now, it's interesting. It's a rhetorical question. It's not actually a, a yes or no question. It's not a maybe. It's not a true or false. It's not a multiple choice. They're asking, the question is more like, what are you doing? You put us all in this situation thinking you could run from your God? What a dumb thing to think. Why would you do that to all of us? That's, that's what the question really means. <laughs> Why would you do that? We all know on this planet that you can't run from your God. They see everything. So it's a rhetorical question. Even the sailors know. You can't run from God. Here's another interesting thing at the end of the chapter that you'll notice that Jonah communicates with the sailors because they're in the middle of the storm and they're wanting to know how do we stop the storm. Here's what's interesting. Jonah knows how to stop the storm. Did you hear me? Jonah knew how to stop the storm. Throw me in the sea. Now here's what I love about that. Sometimes 
We know how to stop the storm too. But we don't. <laughs> we don't. We just continue in it because we like what we're doing and what we're thinking and what we're saying. And so we just say, I'll stay in the storm. But isn't it interesting? We know what we need to do to stop the storm and that's just to be obedient to God. Just start, submit, just submit my life to God. And that's what Jonah is saying here. All right, guys, I need to submit myself to the Lord. Just throw me overboard. Now, here's what I find interesting. Why didn't Jonah just jump in? Like, <laughs> if you know how to stop the storm, why didn't you just jump in? Because somehow God wanted the sailors and everyone else to learn a lesson too. And sometimes it's hard to throw yourself overboard, isn't it? Sometimes you're so stuck in something Sometimes you're so stuck in some thinking. Sometimes you're so, so stuck in a moment, stuck in some disobedient, that you need a friend to come along and say, hey, shake you. Hey, what are you doing? Whoa, Jesus loves you. Well, what are you doing over here? Man, I know you. You spent a lot of years of your life getting sober. What are you doing in that bar? Smack, smack, smack. Right? We need friends like that. How many of you think a friend like that would be a good friend? Right? I do. So Jonah is saying, I need you to be a good friend. Just toss me overboard. So here's what's interesting. Sometimes I'm going to encourage you if, you. if you know how to stop your storm right now, stop it. Just be obedient to the Lord. It's always the best way to live. Now there's something else interesting about this moment. Jonah says, if you throw me in the sea... God will stop the storm because this is all God's fault. Oh, I'm, I read it wrong. I'm sorry. Because this is all my fault. Oh, we've gotten there. We've gotten there. But there's something else that I think is really, really interesting about this moment. Jonah recognizes that God will spare these pagan sailors if they throw them in the sea. Now these pagan sailors, they're living for false gods just like who else? The Ninevites. So do the pagan sailors, are they living just like the Ninevites? Probably. Are their lifestyles just like the Ninevites? Probably. They're sailors. I mean, let's be real. Probably can't complete a sentence without the F word. I mean, it, right? This is the guys. But here's what's crazy. He doesn't want God to spare the Ninevites, but it's okay if he spares the sailors. What? Do you ever think like Jonah in this regard? God's grace is for some, but not for others. It's for some, and I'll pick who they are, but not for others. There's something wrong with that thinking, God says to Jonah. There is something wrong with that. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to get thrown overboard. I'm going to save uh, the sailors like you want, but you're going to spend three days in the acid of a fish in his stomach, and hopefully you'll figure out that my grace is for all. 
And he kind of does, but not really. Now here's what's interesting. The next thing that's interesting, the sailors now know how to stop the storm. So Jonah knows how to stop the storm. Jonah tells them how to stop the storm. The sailors and the captain of the ship know how to stop the storm. So the easy thing to do is what? Row like crazy. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Are, what? Did it really say that? Instead, the sailors what? Rode even harder to get the ship to land. Is this not like you and me? I mean, come on, this is like me. I don't know if it's like you, but I know exactly what I'm supposed to do and I say what? I can still do it my way and I'll show you God, I can still do it my way. I'll just try harder and harder and harder until what? I'm just beat. Until I'm literally beat down, dead, tired, can't do nothing else. We are just like the sailors, like until I'm, I will exhaust every other idea. Like I'll exhaust every scientific idea to prove that God is not true until I realize that all of them prove that he is. <laughs> That's what we do. Whatever philosophical idea makes sense to me besides that God is real, that's what I'm gonna do until I'm just so tired and just admit it. We do the exact same thing. We row and we row and we work hard instead of just trusting God, relying on him, letting him do the fighting for us, submitting our lives to him and just saying, God, you got this. I'm not even gonna try. I'm just gonna throw overboard whatever in my life is not aligning with your plan and purposes and will for my life and, and I'll just let you take over. See, they try to solve the issue on their own without God's help, just like us. They try rowing really hard, but it doesn't fix anything. Now the sailors did have a, a somewhat of a good reason and here would, would have been their good reason. They now understand who the real God is in the world. It's Jonah's God. And they, they're probably thinking in their mind, okay, if, if Jonah's God is really big and really strong because he's made this great big storm, what would happen to us if we actually did throw him overboard? So it's maybe a little bit of a self-preservation thing too. They're like, if Jonah's God's this powerful for one of his people that love him, then what might he do to us if we hurt that guy? So maybe we better not hurt him. Then in the end, they throw him overboard and the sea becomes completely calm. And we get to verse 14. In verse 14, it says, then they cried out to the Lord, and you'll notice that Lord is capitalized, so it's not their own God they're crying out to anymore. They're now crying out to, to who? To Jonah's God. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. This is the crux of the matter. They acknowledge that God is God. 
But they also acknowledge that God has good reasons for the storm. That God has good reasons for the difficulty. See, the storm is meant to get their attention and Jonah's attention. And it's important to note, Jonah's not choosing to be obedient to God yet, but the sailors are. (laughs) The pagans are. The non-Christians are. (laughs) They get it. Can't run from God. And you probably should obey him the first time. They get it. So what do they do? You're out. Off goes Jonah. The sea becomes calm immediately. See, they understand God had a better plan. And in about two seconds, Jonah understood too that he had a bigger plan because a great big fish comes and swallows him. And he's not dead now. He's alive and he's so happy because now he's in the acid of a belly's, of a fish's belly. And he gets to hang out there for three days. Oh man, he must have been so excited and so happy. I'm not sure what what would be worse, dying or hanging out in the stomach acid of a fish for three days, knowing that maybe the end's coming later. (laughs) I don't know. Either way, God has Jonah's attention now. He's got it now. And he's got Jonah right where he needs to be. And sometimes a storm is exactly where you and I need to be. Because our holiness is more important than our happiness. Chapter one reminds us we can't run from God. So what should we do? Run to God. Running to God is always a better plan than running away from him. Because in his presence, there is forgiveness. There is love. There is joy. And there is hope everlasting. These are the things that we find in God's presence all the time without fail. Would you stand with me? Last week, Pastor Kate um, ended our time with a really important verse from Psalm 139, and we're gonna choose to end our time together with this verse each week. And this verse is very simple. It's a really quite simple verse, and actually there's some cool things in the top of the verses chapter as well, if you'd like to read it later, it's great. But Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says this, "'Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Could you just take a moment real quick and I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes. And just listen to this verse again. Because this is really what we're talking about this morning. But if we're going to be choose to be people that say, I- I'm going to obey God the first time. 
I'm gonna walk in holiness more than my happiness. Then one of the spiritual disciplines and kind of like the spiritual undergirding, the spiritual foundation is this idea that we would say constantly and regularly and maybe daily, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. With every eye closed and no one kind of looking around, and I'm not gonna look either just because I want this to be just between you and the Lord, so I'm closing my eyes too. I just want you to know because I feel like I just want to give space for this for a minute. Just for those of us in the room and maybe you're watching online too or watching it later, I just want to ask a question that I think is important as we just kind of close things down here. And it's this. Is there something that you know that the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about? You know it's something that is disobedient to the Lord and you want to just confess to the Lord like Jonah did, hey, this is my fault and and I need to throw it out of my life. And Jesus, I want you to forgive me and I want you to set me on the path of everlasting life. If that's you this morning, um, every eye closed, just raise your hand so God can see it. And it's just your way of saying, here I am, Lord. Search me, know me. This is in my heart, it's in my thoughts, and I just wanna give it to you. Knowing that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and if you raise your hand, you're, you're completely forgiven. It's your moment right now of saying, I'm done with this. And I'm gonna walk into, in the healing and the freedom and the power of Jesus Christ moving forward. Lord, those that have raised their hands this morning, I just wanna pray that you would do a good work in them. Holy Spirit, that you would empower them to walk out of whatever they're in. Because right now it, it might have been challenging, but also the right thing to do to raise their hands. But Wednesday morning when the enemy attacks again with that scenario, it'll be hard all over again. And so I pray for your power, for your, the armor of God to protect them. Put your armor on every day. Raise the shield of faith against the enemy. Get in the word because it's your sword. Jesus, we thank you for this moment because this moment is an important moment and we learned it from Jonah and we're, we need to learn it for our own lives right now. We want to walk with you, Jesus. It's so much better to obey you than to obey ourselves. It's so much more important to be holy than to be happy. Jesus, we pray that that would be our lives. 
And we give you thanks for this moment right here, this moment of conviction from your word, because we realize that it's a moment that you're loving us, that you're pouring out your grace upon us, that your mercy is fresh right now in our lives. And so we give you thanks for that, Jesus. And we give you praise for it. If you believe that your holiness is more important than your happiness, would you say amen with me? Amen. Amen. Jonah's a good book, huh? There's a couple things in there. <laughs> well, thanks for coming to church this morning. It was great to see all of you. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.